Thank you for listening to the weekly message from Trinity of Fairview. Here's Pastor Stacy Harris. You got a copy of the Word? We're going to read two passages today. One's going to come from the epistle of James chapter 1. Uh, we're going to read verses 2, 3, and 4 there. The second passage is going to come from Romans chapter 5. We're going to look at verses 3 through 5. And I want to do my best to focus in on that Romans passage as our text of consideration for today. We're currently in this series, TNT, Surviving the Blast. <laughs> Encouragement, if you will, for those moments when trials and tribulation cause life just to blow up on you. And we've all been there. Perhaps we're all there today. I don't know. In those moments where everything that can go wrong seems to be, and every trial and every tribulation seems to be coming at you once. We've learned about trials a few things. Number one, we've learned they're promised. They are coming. It's not an if, it's a when. They're coming into your life. You're going to be tested, and you are going to be tried. Man, Jesus said, in this world, you will have tribulation, not might. You will have some tribulation in your life. We've learned that they're prolific, usually not one or not even one at a time, but it's usually on every hand's turn. You've got your hands full when you're living this life. We've learned that they're promised. We've learned that they're prolific. We've also learned that they're pointed. Well, I tried to teach you it's really not about your faith, it's a family, it's really not about your finances, it's really not about your physical body. What it is about is your faith. Trials and tribulations are aimed at your faith. James says, and we'll read it in a minute, they're trials of your faith. They're aimed squarely at that. If the enemy can get you to stop trusting God and to stop believing in Him, He has you right where He wants you. Fourthly, we learn they're purposeful, and that's the premise for this series. God uses them in the life of His children to produce a, a planned result. So our question is this. What is it that these trials accomplish, Pastor? If they're purposeful, if you say they're amounting to something, what are some of those somethings? And we can look into the Word and see a handful that will help us. We've seen already that God uses trials and tests to direct us to that appointed place. He uses those trials. He uses those tests in your life. Oftentimes, He uses them in my life to get me to move from a place that I would have stayed in forever. Sometimes He uses them to nudge me along the journey. And He uses everything in your life to get you to that place that He's destined for you to be in life. So He uses these trials to direct us to that appointed place. Secondly, we've understood that God uses trials and tests to make us depend upon His amazing grace. He told Paul, my grace is sufficient for you, son. It's made perfect in your weakness. And that means this, it's seen best and most complete. To trust in His grace, I told you, releases His great power into your life. And He uses trials and tests so that we won't think more highly of ourselves than we ought, but we'll understand that everything we are, everything we have, and everything we hope to be depends squarely on one thing, and that's the grace and the mercy of an almighty God. Today, I want to interject this thought and this truth. God uses tests and trials, beloved, to mature us in our faith. He uses tests and trials to mature us in our faith. Let's read James chapter 1, beginning at verse 2 together. He says, My brethren, count it. Oh, joy when you fall into diverse temptations. Knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh, it produces patience. And let patience have her perfect work, that you may be perfect and entire. And I love these last two words, 
wanting nothing. If you'll flip with me over to the book of Romans, chapter 5, if you've marked that with your finger, or if you need to find it, flip right over there. We're going to begin reading together at verse 3. Paul says this, Not only so, but we glory in tribulations. There's that same sentiment. Knowing, same word James used, that tribulation worketh patience. Verse 4 says, and patience experience, and experience hope. Verse 5, and hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. That word perfect, or that word entire in James means this. It means complete, not missing a thing. Fully grown, mature, if you will. The word experience in Romans means this. Proven character, maturity that is evident, tested, and pure. I reiterate, God uses trials and tests, beloved, to mature us, to grow us up, and to make us complete. Now, there's a, a common fallacy and a kind of a flaw in our thinking that age equals maturity. That's just not true. Just because you've lived a long time doesn't mean you're mature. Uh, age does not necessarily equal maturity. Now, folk, we're all getting older. I'll grant you that fact. I mean, I feel it. I understand it more today than I did yesterday. It's easily seen when we look at our lives a bit. I heard a story this week of a woman. She told this story of how she was getting older. She realized that her body had gotten totally out of shape and out of whack. And, man, I, I look in the mirror at mine and find it don't look like it did when I was 25 or 30. I've changed a whole lot physically. She saw this and she went to her doctor, got his permission to join a fitness club and begin to work out so that she might do something about the way that her body looked to her. She said this, I decided to take an extreme aerobics class called Turbo Fire for seniors. She said, I bent, I twisted, I gyrated, I jumped up and down, I perspired for an hour, but by the time I got my leotards on, the class was already over. How I many of y'all can relate to that? My heavens in the morning. <laughs> Just a workout, baby. Get the leotards on and quit. That's enough. That's enough of a workout. I see myself in that light. We're all getting a little bit older with every day. But man, what we really desire is that, that we're maturing. That we're growing in our faith. That we're getting deeper, broader, wider with every passing day. That is our hope. See, maturity doesn't really equal age. Maturity equals wisdom. Maturity equals understanding. Maturity equals growth and change. That's what it equals. And our hope is that tomorrow we look more like the Lord Jesus Christ than we did at the beginning of the day today. I hope that at the end of the day my faith is stronger and broader and deeper and more wise and understanding than it was when I, when I started today. As we grow older, beloved, we need to grow wiser, deeper, more settled, more complete in our faith than we ever have been. How does this happen? Well, I'm going to submit a few thoughts to you. Number one, we grow wiser, we mature by way of listening. By way of listening. Sometimes paying a little attention pays off big. Sometimes just listening. Man, closing the mouth and opening the ears is a powerful tool for maturing in your faith. 
Man, if you really want to mature in your faith, I'm going to tell you one thing that you need to do. You need to find you a mature Christian, get somewhere with them, and just sit down and open your ears and listen to what they have to say. It'll be a powerful tool for growth in your life and in your faith. I sat at lunch this week with a wonderful man. Man, I asked him a few questions, and he shared with me his life experience. So much wisdom, so much knowledge, so much understanding. He won't know what I took away from that lunch in growth in my faith. Choose you a mature Christian, not some Joe Blow that just came on the scene and thinks he knows it all and tells you he does. Find you a mature Christian. Somebody that's living it every minute of every hour of every day and sit down and listen to them. And man, you'll begin to learn some things that'll be valuable and impacting in your life. How about looking? Listening does it, but how about looking? Sometimes just observing, you learn a lot. Sometimes closing the mouth and, and opening the eyes is a big tool for growth and maturity in your faith. Sometimes just observing someone Sometimes just looking at something someone does, you pick up a lot. I was privileged to play in a little golf tournament yesterday, and, and I was reminded some years back of a question a fellow had asked me when we were playing. He said, man, who gave you lessons when you were growing up? Who taught you how to play this game? Where did you, where did you go to learn how to play golf? And man, I thought about who my teacher might be, and I said, well, I'll tell you who taught me. I had several of them. One of them was named Tom Watson. The other was named Jack Nicholas. One named Curtis Strain, Seve Ballesteros, Greg Norman. If you don't know who those men are, they're wonderful golfers, some of the best of all time. How did I learn? I watched TV. I just turned on the TV when they were playing, and I thought, well, they're doing it this way or they're doing it that way, so I just tried my best to, to mimic and emulate some of the motions and some of the mannerisms and, and some of the things that made them able to play the game well. I watched and tried. Man, when you close your mouth and open your eyes, it pays off. You see the results in someone's life of someone's actions, and you think one of two things. Maybe I shouldn't do that. Have you ever seen somebody do something, and you think, you know what, I don't think I'll try that. I think I'm, I'm all good in that arena. And on the other end, you'll see somebody that'll come out good, and you'll think, well, maybe, maybe that'll work for me. Maybe that'll be good in my life. And man, I'm going to tell you one of the greatest things, another thing that you can do in your faith. If you want to grow and mature in your faith, find you a mature Christian. Find you somebody somewhere that's mature in Christ. Don't go ask them questions. Don't go uh, sit down with them necessarily. Look at them. Watch how they handle life. Watch how they react in certain situations. Watch what they do. And man, you'll learn by just observing who they are and how they conduct themselves some tools that'll help you mature in life. Thirdly, and this has real application for what I'm going to teach you today. The third way we mature and learn is living. I wrote this down, unfortunately. I usually don't get it in the listening and the looking phase. I'm just honest with you. It has to come down to the living phase with me. It has to be trial and error. I have to go through it most times before I ever learn it or understand it. Here's some old sayings or some old adages, if you will. See if you can finish them for me. Here's one. You live and you Learn. You live and you learn. Isn't that, how many, have you ever said that to yourself? Well, I've lived and I've learned. I live and I learn. That's the way it is, man. Go through something hard. Go through a trying time. Well, you live and you learn. How about this one? What doesn't kill you, this is popular in culture today, makes you what? Stronger. If it doesn't kill you, then it's ultimately going to serve to make you stronger in life. What are we saying? That we learn lessons by living. I think the most applicable today for our teaching is this. 
Experience is the greatest teacher that you will ever have. Experience, man, OJT, is the greatest thing you'll ever have in your life. You know, if you learn a lesson forged in the fire of experience, you'll never forget it. You won't. I read a story of a man pretty comical this week. I'm going to throw this at you and see if it hits you like it did me. He was in Florida. It's a true story. He looked around at all the pets and all the options he had for pets, and he decided he was going to do something a little outside the box, a little something that was unconventional. So he chose for his pet a water moccasin. How many of y'all think that's a wise decision? I mean, is there anybody in here that would stand up and say, hey, I think if I was choosing a pet for myself, I'd choose a water moccasin. This guy did. No doubt people had said to him, that's not a good idea, son. Uh, you better not have no water moccasin in your house. Uh, no doubt he was listening to people's voices as they said that. No doubt he knew what a water moccasin was capable of. No doubt he had seen what they'd done to other people. No doubt he had watched Discovery Channel and understood that snakes that are venomous like that and a water moccasin is particularly mean. And it's probably not best to have one as a pet in your household. Well, he brought it into his household, tried to domesticate this thing. He would pet it. He would feed it. He would carry it around with him. He was doing okay till he decided that he would give it a kiss in the mouth. How many of y'all think that turned out really good? It didn't turn out good at all. When he tried to kiss a snake, the snake just bit him right in the face, does what a water moccasin will do. How many of y'all think he still has a water moccasin for a pet? I highly doubt it, to be honest with you. I highly doubt it. Man, what he couldn't get by listening, what he couldn't get by looking, beloved, I bet he'll never forget what he got by living with a water moccasin in his house. And sometimes in our life of faith, it's that same way. I can't tell you how many times I've been to the Lord and said, I wish I'd listened to you, Father. I wish I'd listened when you was telling me that. I wish I'd have just took it at face value and did what you asked me to do. I can't tell you how many times I've been to the Lord and said, well, you showed it to me. You showed it to me time and time and time again and tried to teach me. I wish I'd have paid attention. I wish I'd have took it into my life. And I can't tell you how many times I've been to the Lord and said, well, you taught me, didn't you? On the other end of a test and a trial saying, well, I've learned a lesson now by experience that I'll never forget in my life. Maturity, man, it comes ultimately by living. And if you note the connotations in both of these passages, James and in particularly Romans that I look at today, there is a sequence to our growth. There is a sequence to our learning. There is a sequence to our maturity in faith, if you will. A path, if you will, to maturity. Four steps I'm going to point out to you. I'm going to spend a little on one and then more time on the latter three. Number one, I want you to see in Romans 5 uh, and 3 and following, it says, hey, look, man, glory. James said rejoice, count it all joy. Paul says glory in your tribulations because you know this. Here's the first step. Tribulation. Tests. Trials. The first step in our path to maturity begins with these trials, temptations, and tests. These afflictions that we've been talking about. James and Paul tell us you need to rejoice when you see these things coming into your life. You need to, to take great joy. You need to count it joy. Why? Because we understand that they're our first step in the journey of our growth and in our maturity. They're our first step in a new lesson that God is teaching us. When a new challenge comes into your life, rest assured that God is behind it, working it, and beginning to teach you something fresh and something new and he's going to use it to grow you more into the likeness of Jesus. So the first step begins with our trials, tests, our afflictions. The second step is this. They begin to produce in our life. He says tribulation worketh patience. 
They produce in our lives patience. It could well be rendered endurance. I wrote this down. Trials today get us ready for tests tomorrow. Trials today get us ready for something tomorrow that's coming in our life. What we handle today gives us endurance that will grow and we'll be able to face that next thing in our life that might be bigger and larger and stronger. We launched a a new ministry here at the church called uh, uh, Purpose in Every Step. I love the word pies. That's what we figured out that it meant uh, a walking and a running ministry. Can you think of a better name for it than pies? I mean, I see myself at the end of a 5K or a workout eating a big slab of blueberry pie. That motivates you somewhere, somehow. Purpose in Every Step. I was in my office working when I looked out the window and saw their first meeting in the parking lot. They gave some instruction. They gave out the, the purpose Man, they gave out the workout schedule, and man, I saw them shoot, blow the whistle, and crank out on their first training session. Oh, there was 15 or 20 of them out there running some, walking some, running some, walking some. I couldn't help but thinking I'd be out there crawling some. I mean, hey, I would have been out there with them on my hands and knees, I guess, in the parking lot. And man, I, I, I thought some of those people, it looks easy. Some of those people, it's a little more of a challenge. Some of those people may be the first time they've ever undertaken anything like this in their life, and I bet it was a deep challenge for them as they undertook it out there. Man, they've had a week now almost. They're going to meet again next Tuesday night, and they work out on their own through the week with a, with a program that they've been given. My wife and I were passing Spring Mountain Community Center the other night, and she with great joy said, Hey, look, there's some of my people down there. They're together. They're working out. Man, hallelujah, they're doing that. Man, I bet when they come back together this Tuesday, they're going to feel a little bit better about it than they did last year. I bet some of that soreness that they had on Wednesday and Thursday morning are probably not quite as bad this Wednesday and Thursday morning. I bet they will have advanced in their endurance and their ability to take on some new challenges. And you see, that's what trials and tribulations do in your life in the spirit realm. What God puts you through today prepares you and gives you endurance for that next thing that's in your life that might be a little bit more challenging. And when you go through that, He's preparing you for the next thing and the next thing and the next thing and so on and so on and so on. I wrote it this way. The trial in your life today teaches you a lesson that prepares you for the next trial which does the same, which does the same, and which does the same. Trials and tribulations produce the second step, patience and endurance in in your life. Rejoice then in that trial. It's teaching you, maturing you, making you more ready for what tomorrow has in store. Third step. Patience then, he says, leads us to experience. And the rendering of that word could be really well, and it is. The the thought behind it is proven character. Experience, proven character. That means this, character that has been tried in the fire. Character that has been tried and found credible. Character that has been tried and found real. Character that's been tried and found genuine. The more tests you begin to pass in this life, the more proven and credible your life testimony becomes. The more trials and tests you successfully walk through in this life, the more credible and proven your testimony in this life becomes. And and as a result, the more benefit to the kingdom you are and the more benefit to others you become. As a result, inwardly, the more boldness and assurance you have in your own experience in life and in, in your experience with the Lord. I wrote this down. Doing something the first time is usually the most difficult. But after you've done it several times, you gain great confidence and great belief in what you're doing. I remember when I went to UNCA, I made it a point to take the same uh, math professor for every math class I had. 
He had the innate ability to explain deep and high concepts like you were in a kindergarten classroom. He could sew it into your mind so well. He just had the gift of teaching. I remember when I was taking a calculus course for him, he taught us by repetition, and he proved it to us by testing. He taught me in my life by repetition and rote, and then he proved to me that I knew what I was doing by testing. And man, he would always tell us, young'uns, when I hand a test out to you students, and you get it and you look at it, don't turn to drugs. There's nothing on it that you hadn't seen. There's nothing on it that you hadn't done in this classroom a hundred times. There's nothing on it that I haven't shown you and shown you and shown you and walked you through and walked you through and walked you through. And when he hand a test out with an integral on it and I'd see it I'd go wow that's a chain rule that's not what I need to apply right here I didn't have to worry about it I'd used it a hundred times before I ever got in there and as a result when the test came I was able to do it what confidence man what assurance that brings into your life when you're able to perform in the moment of testing and trial it's the same with life you deal with that trial and test of faith you come out standing and you see what it does for you The next time the enemy comes at you with that self-same thing, you say, hey, I have been here before, brother. You might have shook me with this the first time, but let me tell you, I've been here. It's proven in my life. God has proven to me that I understand this. God has brought me through this before, and I came out standing. I know how to handle this. I know how to trust God with this. And man, you watch what it does for your boldness. You watch what it does for your assurance in the face, and you watch what it does for people around you who are watching how you handle these trials and these tests. It shows you, it shows the world that you are the genuine article. Sometimes you've got to prove it to know that it's true, don't you? Here's one more old adage I'm going to throw at you, see if you can finish it. How about this? The proof, they say, is in the what? In the pudding. Man, when you pass the test, that's proven character in your life. You didn't give up, you didn't quit, you came out of it. And you came out of it not worse than you were, you came out of it better than you were, more mature than you were in your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. So the next time, man, the enemy comes at you and and tries to throw that loss at you, the next time he throws that illness at you, the next time you face that criticism, and let me tell you something, if you're in life trying to do or be anything, somebody somewhere is criticizing you and tearing you down and watching everything you do and trying to undercut you and see how you handle it. The next time you see that fear coming your way, shut it down with that faith experience. Say, listen, I remember the last time I was fearful and the Holy Ghost showed up in my life and delivered me from it, and I believe that this time He's going to do the self-same thing. This isn't my first road. Encounter that disappointment in your life. Be ridiculed and ostracized because of your faith. And you will find that that thing that the world and the enemy meant to use to kill you and to keep you down only served to make you stronger, to improve your faith and not weaken it. The fourth step in this journey. Proven character, he says, or experience, they give rise to hope. And this is where I want to be. I want to live in hope. I just want to live in hope. That's maturing in the faith. It's when you get to that place just to, to live in hope. You see, hope doesn't mean I hope this happens. Man, I really, I, I don't know if it will, but I, man, I'm praying and I'm wishing that this happens. I try to teach you this often. Whenever you see the word hope in the Bible, you ought to read it, earnest expectation. Earnest expectation. 
Hope is not this might happen. Hope is this, hey, you just stand right here and watch it happen. Is the Lord Jesus Christ coming again? How many of y'all have that as your blessed hope? Somebody might tell you, well, I don't think He's coming. I don't know if He's coming. You know what I reply? Hey, well, just hang around a while and you'll see that He's coming because He's going to arrive on this place one of these days. That's earnest expectation. Just watch and see what happens. And man, he says, man, when you begin to mature, you go through these trials and you prove your character, all of a sudden that gives rise to hope, earnest expectation in your life. One that's shed abroad in your hearts by the love of God and the person of the Holy Spirit that's been placed within us. He says, this kind of hope will never disappoint you. It'll never let you down. It'll never make you sorry that you dared to trust it. I remember when I was a young boy, uh, before my daddy was a preacher, I remember just a little bit about who he was. He worked on TVs and electronics, and at one point in time, he worked on vending machines. Now, I wasn't even old enough to understand what a vending machine was. I had no idea what that was. But all I knew is every evening when daddy came home, after working on the vending machines, he would have a little box tucked under his arm. He called it a goodie box. He'd say, youngins, I brought you a goodie box home. It was one of those little Lance boxes. You remember them that, uh, with the different colors, the red, blue, and the white? had all those interlacing lines of color in it. And he would have that tucked under his arm. And he'd say, youngins, I brought you a goodie box. Well, man, I'm going to tell you, a little four or five-year-old boy, he got to expecting that to happen every evening. I mean, hey, you come home and bring me some Vanna lunch and some chocolate lunch and some, and some toasted cheese crackers and maybe a honey bun or two. And, beloved, I'm going to expect that if you do it just a little while. Uh, and every day I would think, man, Dad, it's got to be time for him to get home. We've been home here for a while. Dad's got to be coming home. I'd aggravate my mom to death, beloved. When you see her, you ought to hug her neck. She's mature today because of me. I'm just here to tell you. You think Dad's brought us a goodie box, Mom? You think he's going to bring us one? She'd say, son, I don't know. We'll just have to, have to wait and see a little bit later. Mom, you think he's going to bring it? Man, I, I think he's going to bring us one. Do you? I don't know, son. We'll just have to wait and see. And day after day after day, he'd show up in that driveway with that goodie box under his arm, and Steph and I would run out and maul him and grab the goodie box and go in and eat till we couldn't eat anymore. And man, it wasn't until many years later and I matured a little bit that I found out that the real treasure in that driveway in those evenings wasn't what was in that box. It was what was holding that box. And you see, over 47 years, I can go back and I can see how my father dealt with me on every occasion with love. Paul says to us here, man, that hope is wrought because of the love of God that's in your life, and it's been shed abroad in you by the person of the Holy Spirit, and you can count on it. It'll never let you down. And you see, not only did he always bring the goodie box home, but everything I ever needed in my life, there he was. Every moment I ever called on him, whether I had disappointed him to the uttermost, or whether he was as proud as he could be of me, or anything in between, didn't diminish the love that he used to deal with me in my life. And I know that he's in the pulpit right now this morning, but if I needed him and called up there, and somebody walked up and said, Pastor, your son's on the phone and he needs to talk to you, do you know what he'd do? He'd do his best to get to the phone. And if I asked him to come here, he'd move heaven and he'd move earth to get to the place that I was and do what he could for me in my life. He's done it time and time and time again. My hope and my trust in him and his track record has never made me ashamed. Let me tell you, you might be sitting here and saying, well, you know what, Pastor? I didn't have an earthly father like that. 
You may be sitting here and say, Pastor, I didn't even have an earthly father. Well, I'm going to tell you, I have good news for you today. You have a heavenly father who has loved you with an everlasting love. And he has shed that love abroad in your heart in the person of the Holy Spirit. And he has shown up time after time after time after time in your life with exactly what you need. And he has dealt with you with loving care and long-suffering and kindness at every hand's turn. And beloved, because of the Holy Holy Ghost that lives within me. Any hour that I need Him, any place that I am, I can say, Father, and His response to me will be, Son, I am here right now with you. How many of y'all can go back in your life and give testimony that God has been faithful to you time after time after time after time in circumstance after circumstance after circumstance. He has proven His love and His faithfulness to you. And man, a mature Christian lives in that place. They live in that understanding that I can hope and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ and He will not make me ashamed of ever trusting in Him. He won't ever let me down. He's proven it to me by the way He has loved me all of these years. I sometimes used to think people were copping out mature Christians when I'd go to them and say, I got this situation I got this circumstance. I don't know what to do. And they'd give me this answer. Why don't you just pray about it, son? I'd think, man, give me more than that. Tell me, y'all, hey, don't tell me pray about it. Give me some concrete stuff. But they were telling me what I needed to hear. Listen, go to your heavenly Father about it. He has all the answers. He is ever faithful. And He will show up in that moment that you need Him with exactly what you need in your life. Trials, tests, and tribulations, man. They serve in our life to mature us, take us down a path, man, that's leading us to a place of absolute hope in the Lord Jesus Christ and what He has done and what He's promised that He will do for you. I wrote it this way to conclude this. You see, at the end of all these tests and trials is a mature relationship based not on the circumstances of the hour but on the eternal love of our heavenly father that thrills us to the point to drive us to rejoice to joy and gladly embrace trials and tests because we know that they only serve to ultimately make us complete in him and to bring us to that place of maturity We hope you've been blessed by today's message. If you'd like to find out more about Trinity of Fairview, visit us online at trinityoffairview.org or call 828-628-1188.